When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Hello, I'm Paul Haywood. And I'm Glenn Murray. Welcome to the podcast that brings you the top players, commentators, coaching staff, and now leaders in the world of fashion. From George Best through to David Beckham, there's always been a link between fashion and football and memorable kits. Paul is old enough to remember Coventry in brown and dagger collars that will be banned by FIFA today. But what about today's top players? Who's the most stylish and who's got the best football fashion? We're joined by Chris Gove, founder and director of Percival Menswear, who will tell us about dressing the England manager and the link between the terraces and the fashion world. Chris, we're going to talk about fashion in a minute, but first, tell us about your interest in Brighton and Hove Albion. I've got a good connection with Brighton for many years. My grandparents... Up in, we're up in Ditchling, so I visit them every other weekend. My parents have lived here for the past 20 years and they need that childcare support. So I'm down, I've been down in Brighton some form or another my whole life. Yeah, I just love it. I've been, I've grew up in Portsmouth, so, you know, it's a bit better. Hey, tell me you're a bit of a super fan, is that right? A, a kind of anorak fan? You know everything, you watch everything, you digest everything? I, th- I think... Uh, <laughs> you've nailed it. Yeah, you don't need to say it. It would be my it. mastermind subject. I'm a late fan to the game. My parents were in the NHS their whole life. I wasn't from a sporting family and I grew up with the, the Pompey Saints rivalry like on my doorstep. My postcode was like SO and the road over was PO and I was just told to stay away from it because the stat each, every derby, the stat was like how many arrests were in the local, it, it, whether it was home or away. So it was just like a pretty spicy environment and I was, my parents would just keep me away from it. They were like, listen, don't get involved in that. And then coming to Brighton, I just remember seeing in all the papers at the time about Brighton not having a stadium. And it was a massive thing. And it was my, my grandparents always had an opinion on it or where it should be or, or what the state of the club was. And then just from an early age, getting that in my ears. And then, yeah, it sort of grew from there, really. Any standout Albion moments in your memory? Yeah, I mean, a, a whole of last season is one, but you can't just say that, can you? One thing recent, I'll tell you what, I was just having a really rubbish weekend and then Evan Ferguson scored uh, three goals. I just loved watching it. And uh, I think my kid was being a nightmare. And in the background, he did that and I was like, ah, oh, it's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Just love that young talent coming through. That's so oh, yeah, it's football. Yeah. Plenty of picked up from at the moment. That, you yeah, can mend your weekend, can't it, football? Yeah. yeah. You, can also, you can also spoil it. <laughs> yeah, like last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that was so frustrating. That goal in the last... Yeah. Let's not go on about it. This connection between football and fashion. Yeah. Um, well, tell us about Percival and tell us about your particular interest in where football meets fashion. Yeah, well, I think like there's never been such a strong intersection between men's style specifically and sport. And we're seeing that across all different sports like NFL, basketball. And I think football's one of those ones that has an amazing legacy in fashion, like 90s and noughties football of fashion is probably some of the interesting and some of the, the worst uses of money. In, in, <laughs> that's, that's Glenn's favourite era, by the way. He just told me that before we came if on. If you out. go back now, there's some amazing haircuts and stuff like that. I think now when you look at 
how men want to dress. I think it's post-COVID, the casualization of the office. So you don't just have to wear a suit. Suddenly men are like, you're open to, you can wear anything you want. And guys are like, wait, there's so many options on the table. What do I do? And I think out there on the high street, there's some opaque kind of dusty brands that have existed for a while that you can have a choice or a big logo. And I think... Did you just refer to it as dusty? Yeah, I do. <laughs> because I see Percival as like a challenger brand. Like I think, I won't name any names. I don't know if they might come for me. But I just think you go in a few stores, the men's stores you can go in, you'd be like, I don't know anything about this brand. I don't know really the ownership, the structure. I'm buying these garments. Where are they from? Where are they made? It's just a really transactional. And I think like now, if you're going to buy something, you've got a responsibility to understand where it's from, who owns it, what the goal of the company is. And I think there's no other option now but to have a, an involvement in that. And so Percival was just trying to be transparent about everything. Like we tell the story to the customers about how much money we made in a year, how much money we lost, where we try and make stuff, where we've made mistakes. So it's quite a community-driven brand. And we found growing, trying to use performance marketing is really expensive. And we were looking at like affinity interests. Like I love football, I play football every week. That's all we talk about in the office, in the menswear office. We talk about football. And then it took us like a year and we were like, wait, why can't contemporary men's and football be in the same breath? And we found people looking at Percival, then they'd look at BBC Sport. And we're like, that's the same world that you inhabit. Like that cardigan you wear, great choice. But also you're from a footballing background. Like it's the same world of interests as you inhabit. And so we were like, well, how can we get these two worlds to exist at once? And it was, yeah, we ended up dressing Gareth Southgate for the Euros. When they were in 2021, they were delayed by a year, yeah. was it? Yeah, yeah. And his whole thing was, how do I not wear a waistcoat my whole life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, I was going to ask you about that. He, must, that he, must have been quite an easy job yeah. for you in all <laughs> Yeah, yeah we just, let's just take the waistcoat off and honestly be fine. You don't need that. <laughs> he did want to get away from the waistcoat, didn't he? So, but how did, you, how did you end up putting a coat on him? The Sherlock coat, I think it's called. The Sherlock, yeah. yeah. Um... Because the, there was an M&S deal that he had. And I think someone at the FA just didn't renew the deal in time. And we got the call as a British brand. Okay, it's kind of a brief here. And we had to pitch to Terry sitting off wing there. We got the call and my investor was like, listen, you can go see Southgate tomorrow at um, Wembley in his hotel. Just pick, you got to pitch something to him. And so we rocked up and we hadn't really made suits before. And I had like the tailor's tape around my... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Googling tailor terms on the way in. But no, we, we know what we're doing. And he was just like, listen, I just feel like it's a bit restrictive. I don't have to wear a waistcoat. Everyone's associated that with me. But when you look at that team, like how multicultural that team is, the young lads that we're talking about, how young those lads are, it's not about getting them to respect you. It's just how can you be authentic and like, I can't rock up in a waistcoat. Can you? Like who? Well, I would never would in all fairness. I don't, I, mm. It's a snooker garment, isn't it? As far as I'm concerned. But what, what, so are you, as a manager... <laughs> Do you think a manager should be suited and booted on the sidelines? I think dressing is about what you're comfortable with doing. And I think sprinkling of aspiration on top of your comfort, and that's fine. Because I think like we make some spicy bits like colour-wise, maybe like a mustard or, a, or, a, or like a cobalt blue. I don't expect every guy to wear that. So that's like a really small percent of the range. But the thing we do is like, okay, if I make a forest navy, sorry, a forest green, will you then choose that over navy because that's you know really wearable color and so with a manager i think it's about what imbues what they represent and with gareth it with southgate i guess it was like he needs to be respected but he also needs to have an affinity with the younger players 
And when they look at him, they've got to see someone who knows what they're about. He's such a great leader. We've only met him like a handful of times. And the person you expect him to be, you guys probably have met him. He's that person. He like remembers your name straight away. Went and made a coffee f- for us. Like was immediately just like engaged and asking us questions. And it's like, it's the England manager. He didn't, wow, what did he, he's just normal. Yeah, he didn't, yeah, he's a normal, nice guy. And I was like, well, he needs to dress like someone who, he, he's going to be on the sidelines getting hot and bothered. He wants to gesticulate. So a waistcoat, it just doesn't seem to make sense to me. So we were like, okay, can we give him a suit? Because he likes a suit. A suit can really empower a man. Like you wear a suit, you're like, you feel it. But you don't want to be crispy and like too much like a teacher. So what's the balance? So we just came up with like a summer suit made out of slightly wintry fabrics, quarter lined in the, in the back. So it's a bit looser and it had the movement, little sort of retro knitted polo, like sort of Italian Riviera. Pair those things together. You've got something smart and casual. You could take that off, do the interview, put it back on. And the Sherlock if it rains. So you don't need to just be like Pulis tracksuit, but also at the same time, you don't <laughs> yeah, get in the cap. But proper like... But yeah, like you say, comfort, style. Yeah. Like a bit of his personality. Exactly, yeah. So Glenn, did you, when you looked across at the manager, did, did you care what the manager was wearing? Or was the manager making a statement with the, with the dugout gear? Mm. I probably wasn't bothered about what the manager was wearing. I was probably bothered about my baggy tracksuit <laughs> that was three sizes too big for me. <laughs> um, was I always felt as though I've played in teams where you would have to wear a suit to things. And I thought like a suit every weekend was like so stiff, like you say. They would force wise. you to do it. That was like the, the rules. Yeah. So yeah, you'd yeah, have yeah. a club suit. It was, yeah. this is back in the day. This is quite a while ago. And it was like, yeah, I didn't enjoy that. I'd, I'd, I think it's right for the players to wear tracksuit and be mm. as comfortable as possible. And I think, it, like you say, after COVID and things, it's more acceptable now for people to be wearing tracksuits and things. And then a manager, I always think, should be wearing something a bit smarter. Mm. It, it, you should look up to him. Because, yeah. the, because the middle ground now, Chris, is with, you know, I remember the time when you either wore a tracksuit with your, with your trousers tucked in your socks and yeah. a pair of football boots. Why do managers wear football boots on the touchline when they're not playing? Don't want to slip, so don't want to slip nice up. Because clean. Because they don't need them anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, or a suit and tie, you know, the old August kind of old school manager. But now you've got this middle kind of what you call it, a Hugo Boss kind of dugout casual. Look. Well, it's a statement, though, isn't it? I yeah. mean, the world is going to see that manager on the touchline, so they've got. Mm. I think. I think people, there's more of an expectancy to. Obviously, they're in the position because they're good at what they do, but you've got to look the part as well. Yeah, I think you, you've got those guys looking to you to direct it all, but then I guess they're going to see you and stuff all week long. But it's it's your moment. To no, shine. they don't. They don't. They, you would never see. This man, is what. This is so what the, I, man, the manager. He'll be the first in the building. Yeah. And more often than not, he'll be one of the last to leave. So the players will only see him in his training kit. And his training kit will be different to yours. So the manager, the, the coaching staff have a different colour to the players. So you can you can tell the difference. But oh. so you won't really see the manager all week wow. in anything. But he's he's So that's the thing. Kit. So then when he comes out, he's got his hundred minutes and what all while he's shouting at you. Yeah. Firstly, you can't be distracted by his waistcoat. But secondly, <laughs> there's got to be authority and respect around that figure, isn't there? Yeah, but he's also got to be relatable, I suppose, isn't he? Because if, if he looks like your grandfather, mm. uh, he, he might seem like a kind of p- a person from another age. So he's got to hit that middle ground maybe between... Yeah, it's a balance, I think. Between authority and relatability. God, I'm getting too technical now, aren't but I? But I do... No, I, it is true. That, that, <laughs> yeah, no, I think it is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's important, like... Like Chris mentioned, like a lot of the lads are super young, even mm. though we look at them as, as superstars and things, and you've got to try and be relatable. 
but you also need to present yourself as someone that knows what they're doing and, and look, like I say, look, I think it's so important these days to look the part. Now you've got like social media, Instagram and the media following of the Premier League. It's just, it's huge. Mm. You can see that from all angles, like coming off the bus at a way, it's like a catwalk and those lads will, they're all into their gear now and I think that's changed massively from 10 years ago. Like you used to get players dressing so terribly, logos everywhere, whatever. Now when I don't they- have to speak to my, my career. Well, <laughs> we'll just leave that one there, Chris. <laughs> what, was, what, what, what was your casuals coming off the, if, if you weren't forced no, to wear a suit? Uh, no, we would always have a tracksuit on. But that, oh, that, right, that yeah. was actually one thing I wanted to ask you. So we see it in NFL a lot, don't we? And it, and it yes. gets loads of attention. And is, basketball. Is, yeah, is, is what the guys wear. And they usually do the walk on their own and yeah. they're getting papped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that'll ever come to the Premier League? 100%. If there's an opportunity for... Firstly, the club or the brand or the individual to make money because the players now are, are an entire business. Yeah. And so if there's a deal to be done, they will 100% do it. I think, for example, our suits, there's a few celebs that we can dress through their, through a stylist who, who we have a great relationship with and they'll wear to certain things. What we'll never be able to do is do a red carpet uh, premiere generally because you'll get a brand coming in, Gucci, for example, they'll be paying 150, 200K to just one superstar and they'll have that moment and they'll pay for that moment. The way Americans franchise and advertise sport and monetize it is what we're starting to do more and more and more. Like, it's funny that talk talk of blue cards and stuff. Like the fact that even stuff like that comes up, I think is such an American mindset. Mm. And it, it's up to whoever to, to manage that expectation. But even now, you know, the, that, the, the advertising hoarding, how that can change, they can digitally manipulate that depending on the region. Like where there's an opportunity, there will be one. And so if you're saying to Grealish, listen, slap that on you, here's your payment for that. Um, we'll set, you know, that it's going to happen, I think. Mm. And so a lot of the lads now, I think, are really clued up on what the brands are, what they like. It, and so they're all clued in. And I don't think you could always say that. Like in a dressing room back 10, 15 years ago, were you chatting brands as much as... Probably not as much as today. I think it's over the last five, six years, I think it, it's grown definitely. And obviously we see it fashion weeks, footballers yeah. are like yeah, regular front row, front row like yeah. Son, Saka, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's like one that goes off on a tangent. He's like so brave in what he wears. His stylist um, is the same as I think as Harry Styles' stylist, Harry Lambert, I think does him. But th- that, that sort of, that sector of football and fashion, it's just becoming even more so. We've seen, like, obviously, everyone knows about terrace fashion back in the day and stuff, and that still exists today. Yeah. But we're talking, like, more high-class fashion now, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But are there tribes on the terraces now? Because you used to see tribes in the in the 90s, you know, casuals, and, and there was a kind of uniform, but I don't really see that. I, 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 I've, I've, I've got young lad. Right. And I think there's a resurrection of that at the moment. What, the casual thing? Or, yeah. Right, so what would he, what would you wear? Um, well, just what they would wear back in the day, CP, CP and Stone Sony. Island, right, things like that. Right. Yeah, Adidas. Yeah. There's a big, there, there is a big resurgence of CP and Stone Island. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're classic heritage brands that have managed to maintain a really great kudos and that is coming back. But I do think with the fan base, there's like a democratisation of the sport happening where it is less tribal. Mm. I think it's, for me, that it's never been so acceptable for like families to go. It is changing those. And I even find like five aside, the lads now won't turn up in like Liverpool, Man U. They won't turn up in their top six kit. They'll wear like a a random... Like a Bronby or something like that. Random away <laughs> kit. Yeah. Or like a vintage kit because Red they're Star just... Red Star Belgrade or something. Yeah, yeah. I've just, I found one the other day. I went to Florence 
and uh, there was a vintage football shop and it was just like a gold mine and all that was in there was people like me hunting for some <laughs> mad weird kit when all I actually want is the new Brighton away well not new anymore but I just, yeah. you couldn't get that Brighton away it's gone yeah. isn't it what, yeah. is, what is your go-to on a five-a-side night um, I've got <laughs> please don't tell me you're not full kit it's just top isn't it and random shorts and socks yeah it's always never full kit yeah not no yeah, no, okay. no no yeah, no, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah so I held myself there didn't I you got your bleeper yeah n- no, never never shit you've got you, you can't wear shin pads or long socks either you've just got to wear a little like yeah. a little white sock okay. uh, well it's usually the Percival Umbro collab kit because it's my favourite <laughs> kit uh, I've got a really good I've got so many I've got a Ukraine national kit because of the invasion. So we all started buying Ukraine kits to show support. It's like the one thing we thought we could wear. Started kicking the crap out of each other on a Tuesday and a Ukraine kit is quite good. Uh, I love my Japanese kits. So I studied in uh, Hong Kong in when I was at uni and I go to Japan a lot because it's close geographically and I love just Japanese food, anime, all that. So I love Karen Matoma, by the way. He's like top guy. But there's, a, uh, there's a, an anime about football called Blue Lock and the, art, the manga artist for that designed the Japanese national kit for the last tournament. And the Japan kit is always just so nice, mm. I find. Mm. They just, you know, you have one kit, they always just put some effort into it. It's always a Japan kit. I've got like three or four Japan kits. Are you, are you saying Japan's the best country's kit? Japan and, and South Korea as well. They just have such amazing kits. I always thought Nigeria popped out. Yeah, no, Nigeria is a good kit. I just didn't want to bandwagon it. The Nigeria kit is, is quite loud, though. They, yeah, they all, it's always a statement kit, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, statement kit, yeah, yeah. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. What is this nostalgia? There's one thing that never changes, and that's British nostalgia for classic yeah. kits. Yeah. That's never going to go away, is it? I mean, for me, I, I like looking at kits from the 60s and 70s. No logos, just uh, a club crest, yeah. either a V-neck or a round neck. Yeah. But... People collect... Made of heavy cotton. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not conducive to performance. That's right. Never mind. Made of some rugby shirt material. Yeah. But obviously people collect the most appalling shirts, don't they? You know, they look like a packet of cheese and onion crisps all smashed up. I mean, I mean Glenn, was, Glenn, you like a few of those, don't you? Uh, I, I do like, but I think it's... I like the 90s era. Yeah. But I think that's just because it's got such memories for me as a kid mm. growing up where like I knew everything about football. I knew every player. Yeah. All the kits. And I just... Yeah, even when I was playing in kits, I'd be thinking, this is rubbish compared to like 10 years ago. But hopefully I'm hoping these age really well and, uh, mm. and I can look back on my kits and enjoy them a bit more. If the sponsors from the 90s were great, it was always like tools or computing. Uh, yeah. It's like the weirdest, coolest. I like the, the classic one is that West Ham Dr. Martin sponsored kit, yeah. which now, like, you know, we went to New York last October, had a pop-up shop that was like talking about football and men's, a little pop-up space where we had lots of like scarves, old vintage football kits. We was we had a loaf of collaboration that we put studs on. You know, it's a bit fun, but we had the mainline stuff in there. And football is huge in New York. It's like blowing up, mm. but they don't really get. I think don't hate me, don't at me. The leg like they're all wearing these nineties kits, and he's like you got some lad in like yeah like a West Ham away, and you're like. You've never even... Do you even know? Like, <laughs> He's ne- he doesn't even know what Upton Park is. Never, well, that's never it. Never heard of Julian Dix, <laughs> and, and we had the... Forever blowing bubbles. <laughs> yeah, like they would never heard of Upton Park for sure. And we had this like thing in the store where it was about soccer and style. And we had some. We had Dan Sanderson from, from Monday Hour Magazine, great mag, and he's from Liverpool. So he's like diehard, knows all the history of all the kits, like a diehard fan. And he's talking about, you know, how what the relevance is. But should you really be wearing it? It's like a band tee. Should you really be wearing a Nirvana tee if you don't like Nirvana? Or is it just cool? But they just will wear it. 
And so there's some real diehards on one hand and some fashionistas on the other. It's a really great discussion because on one hand, whatever, just wear it. It's, it's great, right? As long as you're supporting the sport out there. On the other hand, you haven't a clue what you're wearing. Uh, yeah, so, what, what it means. I mean, there's people balling around New York in Millwall top spot. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And this one, uh, this, I met this one guy. He was like, oh, it's not about the sponsor for me. Like, I really want to get those kits that had the Spider-Man sponsor on. So Spider-Man, the films yeah. were a sponsor. Remember films were like temporary sponsors. I can't remember that. Yeah, that Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man was one. Who, like, on whose kit? Who's, I can't remember. You have to give it a Google. I feel like. Does anyone remember that? Something Italian, is it? Yeah, is it an Italian kit? Oh, Atletico Madrid, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think I saw okay. that earlier, yeah. Athletic okay. So yeah. they're just after that rare sponsored kit. Yeah. So it's like, when does it become not about football? Some of these collectors, are they, are they addicted? Is, it, is the compulsive behaviour out there around, you know, filling a house full of a, a thousand kits? I imagine there is. Yeah, I think it's probably quite collector-driven. One thing I, we did find is that in New York, they're actually using the word football, not soccer. So mm. I think there's like, it is moving. That's a positive. Moving That's forward. a positive, definitely. Yeah. Loads of Arsenal it, fans, though, loads. When you look at Premier League games now, very often the reaction when you're looking on TV is, why are they wearing that kit? You know, why are Everton in red? Or why are... Yeah. That, yeah, that yeah. With second and third kits, the departure from what you think of as the traditional norm quite shocking sometimes isn't it and do you wonder about the designers some of the designers of these big companies i love a wacky third do you <laughs> do you not <laughs> well who do you think out of the premier league yeah take brighton out of it okay so who's got the best uh style and branding it's probably arsenal yeah they put so much effort into the I think that I personally the think they nail it. And it's so mad that other teams don't look at it and go, there's a whole ecosystem of fashion here with like collaborations. Like they did the Maharishi one, they did the TFL one. Yeah. They did the... Uh, the knife one. The, this, yes, yeah. yeah. Which was quite contrast because it was fully white and it was like, yeah. why, are you, why are you dressed like Spurs? But it's a good, it's a great project. But the, the, their kits are beautiful in all Amazingly fairs. made. And yeah, that just why wouldn't you have a kit collaboration? I think like... Something Brian could do. Maybe. Define your ambition in football, Chris. What, what do you want to do mostly? Dress players, dress clubs? We, we're, we're embarking on now a journey where maybe we're looking at actually making kits ourselves. Um, I think there's some challenger brands in, in sportswear at the minute. And I think what we can represent is that both sides of sport and contemporary. Like I think with our attitude to how casual should be, contemporary not too spicy, maybe leaning into a bit of interest if you want. I'd love to, we're, gonna, we're looking at starting making kits and we're looking at some lower league teams, some championship teams that maybe we can be the kit supplier and supply the team with what they need to travel, to do the kit, to be this whole one-stop shop. That's, that's, that's my, my ambition. How, so where, where would you be more creative, on-field or off-field, with what you dress the guys in? It's generally 70-30 to what we feel is commercial and then a bit of spice. So, you know, I think what we've got with the men's is a good balance. I think with the kit, I, I, I'd always want a spicy third in there. Or I'd push as much as I can on the away. I think with the home kit, you don't want to play with it much. Traditional. Traditional. I think that's, that's a legacy you wouldn't want to disrupt at all. Who's the best dressed person in football? Right now. I was really looking at um, Madders the other day. He dresses quite well now. Because, because I, I don't know, just made a good selection of stuff. It was just on his Instagram. Son's always in the Burberry campaign. You see him more in Burberry campaigns. 
I like, I like Son. He's a good guy. I really like Son. I think he's the most liked Premier League footballer. Mm. And he plays for Spurs, which is mad. Yeah. I suppose I ought to clarify. Madders is James Madison, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just, for, <laughs> just for anyone who's never seen a Tottenham Hotspur game, you know. I'm trying to think who's, who's well dressed. I think, I, to be honest, I, like we mentioned earlier in the pod about the, the NFL thing, I think boys are making more and more of an effort. And like yeah. you say, they, they, they do realise with the, the rise of social media and the, the interest, the global interest in the Premier League, there's just so many opportunities out there for them. There is, yeah. I mean, a few of them have got, like Declan Rice dresses quite well. Uh, ben Chilwell dresses well. Grealish loves his like mad brands, but it suits his character. Yeah. So, yeah, they're all making definite choices. Mm. Like no one's walking out going, ah, I just chuck that on. So you, you you don't see them Monday to Friday walking in here at nine forty five. But yeah, when yeah. they when they need to dress, then they can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Can you make you know a nice curated choice when you need to? Yeah. Chris, you've dressed a lot of people now. I mean, the list is pretty endless, but up there, I would say Beckham, the Marvel guys, the Rock. Is yeah. there anyone out there that you really want to get your hands on? <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> get me hands on. Do you know what? I'd like to get my hands on a few more football players. I'd like to get my hands on Karen Matoma. I think, well, put, put it out there, come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the Karen, if you want any bits, we're here. Although, I think the Rock was like the final boss of trying to dress someone. Like when we dressed a rock well we didn't Ilaria Urbanati his stylist makes the choices and is an amazing stylist she made she picked from us and dressed him so we don't dress him directly to be clear but she did him and then Ryan Reynolds so sorry rock had to you had to make the stuff specially for him he doesn't fit into normal gear no he no he we woke up one day and he was wearing it Oh, so you fit, you fit it into normal size? Yeah, oh, okay. XL. Or was it triple XL? Let's say triple X. <laughs> Just well, double X, double X. On the biceps, yeah. I mean, he's stretching there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, I don't know how many wears he's getting from it. Once he's stretched <laughs> it. But yeah, uh, Rock Ryan Reynolds, Andrew Garfield. So there's a couple of those lads and they look great in it as well. But I think like, yeah, sports is next, like because we have our DNA in sports more than films. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd love to get some footballers in it. And one thing I did want to ask you while you're here, when you're casually walking down the street in a city, say London, yeah, yeah. and you see somebody um, in one of your pieces, yeah, yeah. are you like, I tell people, like, ha- like really happy about it? Or are you like, that's like the 2017 collection, he needs to get some new gear. <laughs> Both of those ones. <laughs> I love seeing it because we're a tiny brand and I, I just love seeing it. And we have this internal, you know, Slack, the internal communication thing you have with teams. We have this thing called, Percy in the wild so we just snap someone and it's always so blurry it's someone on the tube or on the move so we've got all these blurry pictures of dudes who'd probably be suing us for like snapping them and, but sometimes if it's just I'm sitting next to them I'll be like oh nice jacket mate what do you think about it and just get some like anonymous feedback and well, you're not, you will not let on who you are no 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 and just be like oh where'd you get that and they're like oh this brand or sort of once this guy was like oh the button fell off yeah yeah I don't know whether to send it back and I was like no no don't send it back <laughs> Honestly, if you just ask them for another button, you'll get one. <laughs> and fashion, as we know, is a fast-moving business, planned obsolescence and all that. And whatever we're looking at now is not what we're going to be looking at in two years. What are we going to be looking at in two years? I think generationally, the, I think the, in the business of fashion, they said the biggest growing sector is, um, is vintage or reworn. And it makes sense that it is. I don't know how profitable that is for brands. I know like brands like Vestiaire make their money from recent luxury I think from like everyday clothes, like vintage is growing so quickly. It's ease of being able to resell things. And so I think you're going to get 
like a lot of people now we see they mix in like a vintage piece, a really curated like vintage football shirt. It's a great example of that. And so it's about, for us, owning that fashion life cycle. So can people return stuff and we give them a discount and then resell that? I think it's our responsibility now to own where the garment goes and where it comes back to us in the end, in the end even if it's damaged and dist- or destroyed. So I think vintage is just weirdly the next big, the small little trends like for men mohair, or for men crochet, but like the biggest growing sector is vintage stuff yeah. now. It's come yeah. right back around. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging. Because that's got to be good, hasn't it? I mean, my kids are on vintage all the time, and it just makes sense. You could have your I own vintage. You, I thought you were going to say that's encouraging because your wardrobes. <laughs> Honestly, I thought that's where it's going. <laughs> Pull all these uh, suits out of the act from. Uh... By the way, I forgot to mention my John Smedley. By the oh, way, yeah, I forgot lovely. to mention my John Smedley. But, uh, oh, yeah, lovely. Thank you. Lovely knit. Yeah, can't beat John Smedley. Well, you might be able to, but, you know. No, they do a real fine gauge of yeah, knit. They do. Absolutely right. Thank you. That's made my day. (laughs) (laughs) What's next for Percival? Now it's all about, for us, because we're a UK brand, is trying to to go more global. And, you know, we have about 26% of our audience in the US. Um, And so, yeah, it's just about trying to grow in the US. So we're getting investment at the minute, launching a, a crowdfunding investment in two weeks now. So it's gone, we had really good initial vibes so yeah it's just trying to get money in to grow the brand even further yes thanks very much for joining us that was fascinating thank you thanks so much for your time guys it's all right better, better than good yeah, yeah enjoyed that really enjoyed it, it was good the official brighton and hove albion podcast so we've got two uh we've got two strong looks today on Glenn, very um, safe looks. Not much colour in these. No, but what are <laughs> these outfits? Well, hold on. <laughs> you can tell a lot about a person from their shoes, can't you? Yeah, a lot. You got the New Balance five fifties, haven't you, Glenn? Do I look? Yeah. You got the five fifties. Yeah. It's casual. Well, I feel like I'm sat with a psychologist that's just read my mind. Yeah, it's casual. He likes his choice. Got a nice, a nice jean, and you know that it's not a tight jean. It's a nice straight leg. Classic. We love that. Well. Feel very under pressure. <laughs> Merino cardigan, but not the V cardigan. That's my favourite type of cardigan. The button up, yeah, and he's got the few undone, which is how we always style it, isn't Terry? Yeah, couple Terry. of couple undone at the bottom. <laughs> nice. You, you, you know, you know your thing. Not being too crazy. Go on, I'll let but you, nice I'll let you fabrication move on. No, choices. Okay, we'll stick with you for a bit longer if you like. Okay, okay over next to me on my right, we the, have the a older gentleman. Three three button blazer. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because that's like a workwear style classic blazer, which you know, real classic bit of kit. Yeah, this is a small company in Lewis called Darcy, uh, very much a little cottage industry. They make they, they do a lot of stuff from the 20s and 30s almost. That's their look, you know, but they occasionally do stuff like this. It's more modern and I like it. It looks like a, a brushed navy, dark navy paired with a black trouser. A lot of people don't like navy and black together. I do. Dries Van Noten famously said navy and black together is a good combination. Thank you for listening to this, the official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Like, rate and review us. And if there's someone you'd like on the pod, let us know via email on podcast at brightonandhovealbion.com and you'll find links to the club shop and Percival in the show notes. This podcast is a VoiceWork Sport production for Brighton and Hove Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.